standard issue for all women. Hey, hey, and welcome to this week's Chops. Mickey here, and do I sound a right giddy kipper? Oh, yes. That's because I got to chat with the very excellent Fiona Allen of the very excellent Smack the Pony. Oh, hello. Also, did I have a lovely time researching this interview, aka re-watching clips of Smack the Pony? Yes. Yes, I did. And it was a total joy to chat with Fiona about the groundbreaking sketch show that had three women, Fiona, Dune McKeegan, who Hannah's chatting to for a forthcoming episode, and Sally Phillips, who was on one of our gig casts quite a few years back now, front and centre, being smart as paint, daft as brushes and funny as fuck. As you're about to hear, Fiona is a one-woman whirlwind and at the end of our chat I looked lovingly at the questions I hadn't had chance to ask her but with no regrets because she was absolutely smashing company. Which is great news for stand-up fans because Fiona's debut solo show, Fiona Allen On The Run, kicks off with an Edinburgh Fringe run at the Pleasance Courtyard from the 2nd to the 20th of August before going on a UK tour. For details of dates, just type Fiona Allen on the run tour into Google or whichever search engine you use and you'll find links to Chortle and the British Comedy Guide and it's all there. Have fun listening. I know I did, particularly to the bit where she falls in love with a bull, makes heart shape with hands. Hello, I'm joined on the Zoom by Fiona Allen. That's right, Smack the Ponies, Fiona Allen. Damn right, I'm excited. Fiona, Hello. Hello. I'm I'm really excited too. This is good. It's getting me out of doing housework while I sit chat to you for this morning. <laughs> First question, where do you keep your Emmys? Well, I've got one not far from here. And uh, the other one, I think, somewhere in the ether with the production. Yeah. What about the BAFTA? I don't think we got one. I thought you won a BAFTA each. No, I think we were nominated. Right. But they didn't like us. We should have won a BAFTA, let's totally. be fair. Yep. I think, honestly, we should have. We all turned up in our best BAFTA losing outfits to the ceremony. We were nominated a few times, like, and uh, once we'd been filming and we were in a massive hangar and we were flying through the air on a piece of metal rope <laughs> in skin-tight rubber outfits with big wigs and huge eyelashes. And it was a bit, like, <laughs> tight for time, so we all turned up and squeaked in. And the looks <laughs> we got, people were like that. And it was Sally who said it, we're in our best losing outfits. And none of us cared. It was fine because we knew there was a bit of a, I don't know what it was, because we used to win stuff all around the world. I remember one time going, oh, it's me going again. I'd go all the way to Canada to pick an award up because the other two were busy. Or I'd go off to Europe and pick up the bronze in the, you know, in the European, um, I'm trying to work out which award it was now. I remember and then we won on the Indies here as well. And we won so much. But BAFTAs, really interesting. Like, we'd always get like that and then they'd be like, no. Well, in that case, I'm glad you didn't win a BAFTA if they they were snooty. No, you deserve better than that. I don't know why we didn't, because it's not like I'm like that. I don't think it matters in a sense. It sounds like I do. I don't think it matters, but it's just that it's odd that we won. And we're so well received in Australia, in America. I mean, I was in a desert once and I got recognised by somebody (laughs) in Palm Springs. It was proper like tumbleweeds from like an old cowboy movie. And this lady recognised me, which was really weird. Um, Because it's... So well, and I'm, we're all really proud of it, you know. Well, thank you. I've had a bloody lovely morning re-watching Smart the Pony sketches. And 20 odd <laughs> years on, it still feels wonderfully fresh. Was it as fun to work on as it is to watch? Yeah, I, I had the time of my life. And it that's so me. Like, um, obviously, I, I, I do drama and I like drama. Um, but doing that and then, because I love voices, I love characters, it's, 
I've been like that since I was a kid, but not even realising that I was. Oh. You know what I mean? I was fascinated by talking. The window cleaner was a real character. A lady in the supermarket, a real character. You know, I used to talk to people all the time and I was fascinated by people. A people person in that sense. I usually take the piss, to be fair, but it's not <laughs> the point. You know, growing up like that and not realising it, I'm just, you know, as I was talking to somebody, I realised, now I think back, a bit of an odd thing to do, but I'd be looking, I'd look at them and there'd be a funny little thing I'd notice, you know, and I'm very much like that as a, as, a, as a kid. And I think being able to do all those characters and given, you know, you've got you've got an idea in your heart and you think, oh, you know, how does that, how does she talk? How does she walk? What does she look like? You know, what, what are, you know, but you're like planning this character and then, and then for me, the icing on the cake was the voice because I love doing accents. And I have a Spanish mom and a northern dad. So, you know, when I grew up, when I was very tiny, I'd, it's almost like learning two languages because the vowels are different on either one. So one would, you know, like my dad would say, are you coming in? And my mom would be, are you coming in? It's time to come in now. You know, you are listening to this voice like this. And then you're listening to that voice like that. And so it's totally different. You might as well have had Japanese and Scottish, you, you listen in a different way. Yeah, you know it always fascinates me. So I do a lot of voiceovers as well because I like. I, I just love it all. Good on you for being able to do an accent because the only one I can do is this one. And when I try and like pronounce French words, fine one as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, always oh, sounds such a red rose like that accent. The finest. Oh, two Lancashire girls together. But it was loads of fun, and you know a lot of laughs. Hard bloody work, but uh, a lot of laughs, long hours and all that. There's a, that side to it as well, which is tough, but, but a lot of laughs. And I remember once, me and Sally, we got the giggles, you know, like you do when you're at school. We nearly got sent home. <laughs> Honestly, the producer came down on set and said, if you do not start, that's it, we're going. That's a joy, though, like the corpse in. I know, but it was the last scene of the day and it had been a long day. And, you know, there's a lot of people. There's like 40, 50 people in front of you while you're doing your scene. She sparks and you, you know what I mean? You make up your costume. You, there's so many people and we were there like crying, <laughs> laughing like tiny kids. And so there were those moments, but it's just fun because especially if you created something that was a silly character and you just put your things on and you, you're just laughing. I remember doing all this video date once and I had rotating boobs <laughs> under my shirt. Of course you did. One, they were going around like that and they just kept going... <laughs> And it was just so much fun. You know, it's hard to not like laugh when you do it. But it was great, honestly. Loads of fun. So much fun. Amazing. Someone had stitched together a load of the competitions skits, which are just utterly glorious. And I was having a fine old time this morning. I wonder, do you have a favourite sketch? I've got many, but I think my favourite was uh, when I filmed with a bull. <laughs> uh, I had an idea. I had an idea for a, a matador. It was a series of sketches that ran through one ep. And so what happens is, and then they actually got a real suit of lights over from Madrid. And I didn't realise why people were giggling is because the costume lady, had she'd sewn in a sparkly fig right there. And I never noticed <laughs> at the end of the day. I mean, what a twat. I didn't notice. I looked out. Literally, and I was like, oh. what a twat. A sparkly fig yeah. shaped twat. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so I fall in love with this bull. And so rather than have it in that hideous sport, I escaped to Wigan. Hey! And so the whole day is me with the bull and it's like letterbox film, you know, it's beautifully shot. And we're wandering around all day, slightly lost. And I have to say, I think it was one of the most fabulous days filming ever. And they were so brilliant about it because they said, we found your bull. I was like, yeah. 
and they showed me a picture and my heart sank and I went, oh no, it's brown. Fun. Oh, it's beautiful, but it's brown. It needs to be black. In my mind, it's black. And they were like, you want a black ball? You don't <laughs> want the brown ball? Really sorry. I mean, I just need the black ball. So <laughs> I want your black ball. I was like, yes. And this black ball was beautiful. I was terrified when I met it looking at me and its head was like, I mean, it was it was just huge. And then horns on the top of that. I was absolutely terrified. And I thought, what have I done? I could feel my pulse going. I thought, Jesus, I'm, I'm actually really scared. But after an hour or two, I seemed to be all right. And I had the most magical day. And because it didn't like people in a fluorescent jacket and the weather was a bit rainy. So the crew, obviously, health and safety, were in fluorescent jackets. They have to keep themselves right out of the way. So it's just me and this bull. And there was one moment where I was enjoying myself, but there was one moment where my brain switched on and I was like, if anything happened there, I'm a bit bollocksed. Yeah. And there was one little doddery farmer with a big beard mooching about in the background. And he came up to me once after I'd been filming with this bull and I was holding the horn of it of its head, like as if we were holding hands. <laughs> nobody said a word because nobody knew anything about bulls. And the farmer came up about two hours after went, don't do that, he didn't like it. <laughs> oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> Christ, Christ. And then, and then at one point, we were walking down the street like we were shopping. And it was me who said it. Imagine how many tons this bullied. And I was walking and there was just big walls of blasts on shop fronts. And I said, excuse me, anybody? I said, if it bangs into me, like by accident, I think I might be dead. And they went, oh, yeah. I said, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go on that side because I had to sit for the camera angles. Nobody said it. <laughs> you know, and it did bang into me like once and it was on the curve of the horn and I had rib ache for days. Oof. And that was it just being nice. Imagine, I mean, the power and the size of him. But anyway, and it got to the point where it sort of recognised me after a while because I, I had sparkly bits and it came past and I was in the coffee shop trying to earn money, still dressed as a matador with my hair slicked back. <laughs> I was taking an order and the bull, we captured it and it stopped with all the people. It looked at me and went, because <laughs> of the costume and I felt like a real bond I'm a massive animal lover and I feel like I felt like this real bond with it at the end of the day and I was like oh it was beautiful he won awards for his personality that bull he was properly nice oh and there's another one just in case you do watch this one and you'd have to find I don't know you probably won't see but um, we do a picnic and it looks like a beautiful day and I'm on one knee real matted all paws and I'm giving it a scotch egg and it's all in Spanish with <laughs> subtitles. And I'm giving it a scotch egg. And it looks like I'm being very proud, you know, on one leg. But that's not why. It's because we was on a picnic blanket, which was red and white check. And in the wind, it kept flapping. And so the bull started, yeah, lose it. It had enough. And I had to do that ready so that I could get up and run because the crew were all at the end of the field. Nobody would do that now. Like, no. But... In here, I'm still the best day That's it. I love how animated you are about it. Yeah. Now, I love Smack the Pony as a young woman because, one, it was staggering to see an all-woman sketch show on telly outside of, like, French and Saunders, who are obviously brilliant. Two, it skewered all of the shit I was having to deal with on a daily basis. And three, and potentially this is my favourite, it was brilliantly silly, which at the time wasn't something yeah. we saw women being. Yep. Totally agree. We love silly. And I think the thing is, I think there's still a thing about women now, though. Uh, I get told when I do stand-up that, oh, women aren't funny, still. 
um, I was at this little place in the country and I went to the loo. There were two toilet doors, typical country green. You know, you imagine the wood and uh-huh. I heard these two friends talking and they were going like, oh, I'm not sure about him. I'm not sure. Oh, and the girl was good and I was the only woman on. And they came out and I went, stop, I'm here. And they went, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, we really like you. We don't usually find women funny, but we really like you. And I and I, and I, went, so I thought I'd misheard. And I went, oh, anyway. First of all, we think, and I went back, and it was all guys. All the comics were guys. I went, guess what? You'll never guess what I just heard. This is hilarious. And I told them, and they went, "Oh, didn't you know?" I went, "What? Is it a thing?" And they went, "Oh, god, yeah, it's a thing. Women don't find women funny." Oh my god! And I've never felt any before doing stand-up, which is like the Wild West out there. It's full of mavericks and blah blah. blah. I didn't realise this was a thing in this world. Yeah. Still. Yeah, and, and and I get the reason I was saying this is because the silly thing. So I still do. I don't care. I'm a woman, and I'm in my fifties. I'll do at one point. No one's telling me what to do. I'm a, <laughs> there she well, is. Do what I want to do. So I carry on, and I do silly stuff. Sometimes I do something that's a little bit no, not really, but you know, I can be quite acerbic, and I can be quite really sarcastic. But I do do a little pockets of silly. And um, a couple of people came up to me after a gig recently, and. And it was a man, and he said to me, you know, I don't know how to put this. And I said, yeah, what's that then? He goes, well, I really think you need to be more, more, I went, what? Just spit it out. And he went, um, harsh, you know, a bit harder. And he wanted one of them. I said, you know what you want? One of them hard club comments. I said, I'm not that. I said, I do silly stuff. And if I want to do silly stuff, I'll do silly stuff. I am what I am. I was very polite. But I was like, I am what I am, you know what I mean? And I yeah. like that. And so we've, we've always kind of done that. And that's obviously it's in me because that's what I, how I performed. And so I find it really extraordinary. I think, I bet that doesn't happen to a man. You need to be this. You need to be that. I'm going oh, to guess you hadn't asked for his opinion. No, I hadn't. I'm just good at shutting down. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even have to say anything. I just look and that stops them in the track. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, yeah, I, 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 it was a new thing whereby if you're a man and you walk on stage, you're the next act. Hooray. If you're a woman that you walk on stage, Guaranteed in certain places, you'll get people going like this. Yep, absolutely. And you have to get over the fact you're a woman, and then you have to, like, oh, they've got to really like you. A bloke, you can just stand there and do nothing. Doesn't matter. And it's 2023. I'm, and because I've not done, I mean, I did a few open spots years ago, didn't really do this till before lockdown. So I'm still new at it. And that was all like little clubs in London where you don't notice. I was just trying to remember with more words because I was very accuracy. I was sticking to my script, you know, and I was just trying to do it. And it's only now when I'm freeing myself up in my mind and sort of thinking and looking and, and, I, and I can see the, the, the difference and see the types of audiences. And I find it absolutely fascinating that it's still the same. Well, it goes back to you being really interested in in people as well and that quirk that stands out and you're like, how how is that still a thing? I think with women not finding women funny, we've been told that men are in control of the funny and women are in control at laughing at the men so they feel good about themselves. That is still sort of yeah. sold. But so here's the thing, like when I was growing up, apart from my best friend at school, we're still best friends. We were friends when we were five and we're still best friends. Adorable. My other mates were boys. I played with them at school. And you know what? They were laughing at me and I was telling them what to do. I've never been brought up in a way that tells me you can't do this as a woman. You shouldn't do that as a woman. I've always done what I wanted to do. I've never, ever had an issue, ever. Even when I was having babies, on, like pregnant on set, looking through my filming, I'm like four stone heavier, two stone heavier, 
three stone ever. It's like a diary. I, I used to have piles of genes for different stages of when I'd had a baby, about to have a baby, what size I am. I didn't care. The male execs didn't care. Uh, the women execs didn't care. I've never been made to feel uncomfortable about that. They've always let me film. The only people I've felt really sorry for were the costume department because I literally would stretch over the weeks and they'd have to stop shooting me from the side and things like that. So the only time I've ever felt like, oh, you're a woman, is, is in stand-up. How weird is that? You are about to start touring your first ever stand-up show, Fiona Allen, on the run, which kicks off with a run at the Edinburgh Fringe. And don't get me wrong, I am very excited and delighted it's happening. But why now? Why stand-up now? Uh, because I did little bits of open spots when I first moved to London because my sister lived here and I didn't know anyone. And I thought, what am I going to do? I'm just sitting here being bored. I thought, oh, I'll do stand-up. So I decided to just do a bit of stand-up and I did open spots and a few bit, bits here and there. But the thing is, I got a job, I think, 12 weeks after moving to London. Honestly, I moved here with 500 quid in my back pocket and I thought, what's the worst that can happen? You don't get a job. How naive is that? I gave myself <laughs> 500 quid, what a knob. <laughs> Wouldn't get you through the day these days. No, but I got myself a job and I never stopped acting. So I never carried on with my open spots. Then... I got really busy acting and then I started to do voiceovers, which is my other job. You see, it's the characters and it's the accents, except mostly now, for weirdly, I get booked for my voice. Well, it's a lovely voice as established. <laughs> um, and, uh, thank you. Yes. Right side of the, yeah. And, and so <laughs> I um, I did a lot of that. And then when I, I got married and I started to have kids, didn't think anything off stand up. It was something in the past. It was for fun to meet a load of people. It was like just something to do, really. I know it sounds a bit like Jesus, a bit extreme, but that's just what I'm like, you know. It was only after a few years, it was about three three years before the pandemic happened, I started to think, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what it'd be like if I did it now. I thought, nah, forget it. Pointless. It's just for kids, you know. There's no point. I did it when I was in my 20s. What's the point? But it wouldn't go away, this little thought. I, it just wouldn't go away. And in the end, I was talking to somebody who said, you know what? Just stop banging on about it. Just book a night. Once you book a night, just a tiny little spot, five minutes somewhere, you've got to do it then. Mm -hmm. I did. And then interestingly, because what I was thinking was, I didn't realise it's such a vibrant, bouncy scene out there. Like there's people younger, a lot younger than me, but there's people a lot older than me doing it too. There's loads of women, loads of men, loads of foreign people, every sexuality. It doesn't matter. If you're funny, you're funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, I heard a few comics. Uh, that's the other thing that I hear is a few comics. And somebody said, oh, no, no, no. And I went, well, don't tell me what I don't hear. Don't tell me what I can hear. I hear this. They laugh at people. Oh, my God, they're in their 40s. They make a joke about somebody who's 40-odd because they're 20-odd and they don't think. And you're sitting there going, I'm about to go on stage. I've just been talking to you. I'm old enough to be your mum, you twat. Like, what? <laughs> what? You know? And then they'll go on or they'll, they'll, they'll pick on people in the audience because they're older. And I'm like, they're the ones who just bought a ticket to come in here. You know, what? what's the problem? That's the other thing. There's a massive, this is something I've never, ever, ever realised before, huge ageism in the way certain people think. But it hasn't stopped me. What, what make, I'm putting this really badly, but what makes me smile is it's never stopped me getting booked. And yes, the promoters, a lot of them are blokes, and they've either go, um, okay, let's see. Oh, you're in your 50s. You're a woman. 
you just made my crowd laugh. I'm booking you. And I book, get booked and booked and booked and booked. So the odd person can think there's a, an issue and they can they can say stuff, but there isn't one. It's like, you'll work if you're funny. And so I don't really care. And I hear women laughing at, oh, my God, you know, she's, she's, old, she's older than me. That's made me feel much better about myself. Do you know something? Good. Let's see where you are when you're older then, you know, because, you know, you do you, you, you do you. Because I'm quite happy doing me. I don't get told. And like I say, I've never been never been told in in a sense i was a bit of a feral child in a way and i was very free you know lancashire we used to play outside in the fresh air i know i've been running over streams and riding for hours on my bike and that world on a sunny day and and you, you know i was the happiest little with the breeze it's my perfect day when it's really sunny with a little breeze and i think back and you'd stumble across a load of bluebells in the wood and my mum being spanish as well she was just this, she's a fabulous mum who she, I mean, she still cooks when I go around now, but but she was always like, as long as you eat properly and you're happy, you know, you do the right thing. But you, that's what it's about. As long as you're happy, be free. And I was bound, and I had that kind of childhood. I mean, I was really naughty. No, shall I get out of my surprise face? What a surprise. That doesn't oh. sound like anything that I should believe. It sounds kind of like you are a feral adult. It, yeah, pretty much. I, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm waffling. I got back to your point. So I was thinking about this. And then the more I did the stand-up, it was other comics said to me, oh, it's odd. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing the open mic circuit? Um, people looked at me a little bit odd. I said, because I'm learning. Yeah. And they went, yeah, but come on, you've done comedy. You must know how to do it. I said, no, it's a different job. It's a very different part of your brain. It's a bit like, and I'd say it to a bloke, slightly patronising. So it's like if, you, if you're playing cricket and you got a bat and you hit a ball, I said, and then you play golf and you've got another little ball, which is completely different, and you've got to hit it, totally different game, different technique. And they go, I get it. So I was trying to explain it's a very different mindset. And I openly say it. I was sticking to my script, like word for word, even to the, like, look, look, look. and then once you started free up and you're using a bit of your brain, you don't use that in acting. You're doing a comedy sketch because you're going all over the place. But acting, which I do acting, acting, you don't do that because you can't. You've got a script. So you've got a story to move forward. <laughs> so it's freeing up a different part of the brain. Oh, not freeing up, using a different part of the brain in a different technique. It was a nice response from some people like, oh, you know, we have a lot of respect for you for doing this, quite frankly, because you don't need to. And I said, I beg to differ. It's very kind of you. But I would be one big headed and also naive idiot to turn up and go, hey, I'm I'm doing a show now. I'd have died on my ass. Mm. You have to learn. And I went around those clubs for a whole year. I wrecked my Italian leather platform trainers. Oh, I'm so good I'm so to sorry. all the clubs. <laughs> Might need to take a moment. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, your fleet is sticky to the floor in some of these places. It's oh, like, yeah. Jesus, I, I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. And it was somebody else who said to me, and I, and I liked it. I gave myself three months, loved it. Did not three months, liked it. And then somebody else said to me, Oh, presume you're going to write a show. I went, Oh, what? No. I said, I'd be surprised if I don't remember 20 minutes. You know, I was never concentrated at school. I used to make everything up, never learned roads. You know, I was taught by Irish nuns and it was all like, you learn oh, roads. Same. Ooh. Uh, yeah, all, all I, I did five years of you go in, learn out of a book and leave. And I was like, learn nothing. Although I can still remember my Latin for some weird reason. Anyway, and then there's a few people say, come on, do the show. And I thought, oh, so to cut to, I thought I will. Same That same moment when I woke up and said, yes, I am going to do some stand up. We'll see what's the big worst that could happen. I don't like it or it doesn't work. So what? Doesn't matter. I started to write the show, and the problem is, and it's not a problem, it's just it's a debut show. I've never, ever done a show before. I have never done 50 minutes to an hour ever before in my life. 
And I can't do it quietly because I smacked the pony. And I understand that. Yeah. I just hope people, you know, it's like it's a debut show. However, I'm re- really enjoying it. And I've I've done a few work in progresses now, not many. And I'm sort of getting, ah, oh, oh, I see. Okay, so this is what it feels like. I had my notes on stage and all that. And I did one last night. I didn't need my notes. Oh, there she is. You know, the stages of then you've got to kind of work out and you move things around, drop things, add things, little jokes come up. But I really, really enjoy it. And it was very much for years, work kids, work kids, work kids. And I know this is work, but it's different. It's the evening thing. And I say it, I talk about it in the show. It's like, because when your kids are little, it's that sort of bath time and it's that getting the food ready, school uniforms ready. And your evenings are full and then you sort of sit there like, oh, after working all day and then doing all that as well. And then when they get a bit bigger, you know, teenagers don't want to talk to you. Well, they do. <laughs> you know, it's a different thing. They can do things for themselves. And I was getting a bit fed up and a bit bored. So what am I going to do? And so if you're acting, it's great. You come home and we learn your lines and you've got something to do. I hate sitting around. And I was doing EastEnders before lockdown. I thought, actually, oh, I can do my open spots at the end of the day. And you can't. Bong days. I did a whole day's filming and then went to go and I think I was thinking, oh, I'll nip into town and do five minutes. But it's different. It's the adrenaline and the fact that you were waiting around. You still got It's like two days in one, even for that little thing. So I thought, I can't do this, right? I've either got to do one or the other and try and figure that out. So while I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Um, but my tour is pretty much... My little dog's coming. Hello. Not that little. There's a lot of it's like Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, you know, so the beginning of the week I can still, I could film, but I, I wouldn't do one one up to the other same day anymore. It's very much like that for women a lot of the time. You, you know, if, if it's not kids, it could be kids or it, not kids, but it's work. And you're the ones that, whether, no matter what anybody says, do a hundred more things in the house a day. You know, the first things I feel like I do when I wake up is shut a cupboard empty a dishwasher <laughs> there's 20 odd things and then i feed the dog and there's 20 odd things to do before i even think about oh i need a coffee and i'll get my breakfast yeah would you think about a whole day of that and then the evening again and there's just something snaps i think and the, you know they used to say it's like a seven-year itch but there's statistics out now and it's proven that you know as people get divorced in the 50s people change their jobs in their 50s people move in their 50s they just up sticks something happens it's like that extrapolated out yeah. And I don't know if it's that. If it's something in me that's just gone up, you know, I want to do that. I want to do something different. And I drive to all these towns and villages and cities all over the country. I've been to every nook and cranny. I'm down on the coast and I just stop and stare at sunsets and, and I'll be in a field and I love animals. So I might be like I was in a near a farm or out of farm really the other day. And that was beautiful. There were little animals there before I went in and and then you go into a city and it's a really good vibe and it's bouncy and you just have a laugh with people you've never met before and you really like, at least a northern thing, you know, you just get on with people and I like really chatty and 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 it's lovely. And I really, I just enjoy it. I just have a blast. She's having a midlife renaissance. That's what it is. I love it. Loads of women do it. It's so, so good. What are you supposed to do? I'm not, I'm not going to not work until I can't work anymore. You know what I mean? Fair enough. My mum's 92. She cooks me a paella. Like, what are you supposed to do in the 50s? We're not old. No. And I hate the fact that we have to almost have the discussion because it pisses me off. I don't know. Look at people at Glastonbury. Look at people who are still touring. Look at people who artists don't stop being an artist when they're 85. Joe Rivers, until she tragically passed away on that bloody awful mess up of an operation, was packing out stadiums at 80 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm not being told in my 50s, like, 
I'm not being told I can't do anything or don't do stuff. I'll just carry on. I'll just have a, I'm just having a laugh. I'm having a blast, actually. Well, this is excellent news. And also, given that you are well up for carrying on, a few years ago, there was talk about a Smack the Pony renaissance, but it didn't happen. Is there, is there, she says, hopefully, pleadingly, any chance nothing. of a Smack the Pony there's reunion? Nothing, there's nothing as it, it stands, but we were talking about it. So that's all it is, talking. Okay. Well, could you film that? Just film that. I'll watch it. I think they should just, I just think they should do another one, but it's talk, 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 talk. Okay. Well, currently, all three series of Smack the Pony are on Channel 4 OD, and Fiona Allen, on the run, is at the Pleasance Courtyard in Edinburgh from August the 2nd to August the 20th. Then you're on tour from September the 15th to December the 8th, starting in Hemel Hempstead and winding up in Banbury, before kicking off again in 2024, because as we've established, you are not stopping. Where can people find all the info, please? I don't know. You don't have a website. No, you see, this is what I mean. I'm so new to it. I don't... <laughs> I, I, what I do is I'm, I can't... I start putting it out on socials and I'm, I'm get. I have got a... Uh, someone's just set me up on a, a Facebook page. Uh-huh. So I am trying to sort those things out what are your handles on the socials oh okay so and they're about to change name as well so that's really hopeless well i'm fiona Allen on facebook so you can just find me i can tell you listeners if you if you tap in fiona allen's about the pony into google the dates come up so you can find it all there but i will be putting it out on my insta which is underscore fiona dot allen underscore and i think uh tiktok a new one starting Oh. So I don't know yet. I, might, I don't know what my handle is yet. It'll be like over the next literally two or three days. Okay. You're pretty easy to find. Thank you so, so much for chatting with me. I have fucking loved it. Oh, thank you. No, it's been great. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Standard Issue for All Women.